everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's always your host, Evan Setter. I'm joined by co-host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSetter. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can also follow our Locked On Suns page on already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support is very much appreciated as always. And before we go on, I just wanted to say really quick, we've had a really great guest series so far. We've had Gina Mizell, Jonathan Charks, Vince Murata, to name a few of them. We also had Cody Topper on last week. So if you missed any of those, go ahead and catch up on them right now and get back to us because I think we've had a really good guest series so far. But today, it's just me and Brennan. We're going to focus on not only the Vegas overrunners, but both of us have noticed a lot of talk about Devin Booker comparing to some young players recently. So we're going to spend about 10 to 15 minutes close to the show on that as well. But first off, Brennan, let's talk about the Vegas overrunner odds. I noticed today, or excuse me, last week on Caesar Sportsbook, they had at 27, which I found really low, honestly. I know I look back actually this time last year, the Suns were at 26 and a half. So they kind of overestimated the Suns this time last year. Did they make this time around they're under, underestimating the changes they made? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. 27 feels I, – I, th- I mean, it feels low, but probably only by a couple wins. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to spoil. Like, obviously, we're kind of we're, – we're saying that we, we think they'll be better than that. We're going to talk a little bit in the second segment about, you know, what they need to do to beat it. I think if it is still at 27 come the start of the season – that that does feel really low, but I guess that'll be dictated by where the betting is and maybe if they make another move, who knows. But where would you like where were you expecting it to be? Is is a a better question, I guess. I think you're around the money there. I feel like twenty seven is just a little bit under where I thought it'd be. I, I just think realistically we've been talking a lot throughout the last few months about I think thirty wins a roasted barometer, maybe like twenty nine and a half or like thirty and a half. I feel like that's maybe just a slight bump there. What do you think? Yeah, so the fan duel book which is obviously just on the internet is 28 and a half that feels i think that might be where i would go i I would say 28 and a half or 29 and a half feels right to me i've been using kind of 30 in my head as a benchmark for you know over under that's just partially because it's a round number obviously and that's easier to think about um but i actually think like you know if you if you think back to this time last year using the template of obviously they've improved a great deal this summer and so being right where they were from a betting perspective in 2018 around this time does feel kind of silly but to be fair like I was using 30 as somewhat of a benchmark last year like I think when we expected that they would make some sort of move to to get a point guard or when we thought Brandon Knight was a little bit healthier and and more ready to play than he ended up being and all the craziness that got the Suns off to a bad start before the year even really got got here. I mean, doesn't it kind of feel like this is around where we were last year? I mean, I don't want to speak for you. Were you are, are like, is your expectation kind of where it was thinking back to the beginning of August last year? Yeah, I think so, because I think we were actually talking about like 25, 26, 27 wins is like a realistic part of it, because I know the team was really young at this point last year. And there's definitely a lot of change now. Like James Jones really focused on the veterans, getting a lot of playoff experience in there. But well, and we thought, I, I mean, we thought Ariza would be able to play like that, or like be be a positive factor. So I don't know. I mean, I think I'm a little higher than I was last year, but not a ton. Yeah, I think it's just tough for me because I mean, after we've seen, if you guys, the loyal listeners since day one here, since Burn and I took over, we the Suns have kind of gone downhill instead of uphill. I think just we've seen 21 wins, 19 wins. I, I understand why Vegas is hesitant to go pretty high, in my opinion, because, I mean, the Suns, if you're from a Vegas perspective, you've probably lost a lot of money from them in the last few years. Well, and look, too, like their their numbers are going to be 
sort of reactive to the perception that is that is out there. And I think as you know, as a lot of fans have gotten frustrated with, and we've mentioned here and there as well, like the national perception of this team is not nearly as rosy or bullish as even we are. And then there's a whole other level that I think some fans are where, you know, convinced that they're, they're going to be pushing 500 or be a playoff team. I'm, I'm far from that, but I, I do think like we have to realize like the Vegas numbers are going to be based on places like ESPN and, and wherever else. And the reaction that people have, the betters have to national coverage. You know, there's not a lot of Suns fans that are going to make a difference by themselves on where the number ends up. So I, I'm interested to see too, though, where it goes from here. Like if it, if where the action is on the over or the under and, and how it changes by, you know, maybe the preseason. Let me ask you this though, because I'm looking at the list right now, just from this from Caesar Sportsbook again. So it's a little variance in other places, but were you surprised just by the cushion that the Suns have at 14 compared to like, let's say Oklahoma city, who's 13th in the Western conference has a four game cushion. Are you just surprised that, the Suns are just lower. I mean, I mean, I feel like we're on the same page though. It just feels like until the Suns earn that respect and actually prove their winners on the court, it's probably just going to be pretty low numbers here. Yeah, it is. I mean, looking at some of the other teams, it is. It makes it a little bit more surprising to look at the Suns' number. Um, for instance, the Timberwolves being eight wins favored. That or uh, you know, not favored, but but set to win the eight more games at thirty-five. Is their over/under? That feels crazy right eight why why are the timberwolves eight games better than the suns right now yeah maybe unless cat averaged 30 points a game jericho is a superstar and i think another one too i mean the pelicans i mean i know they have zion but they're almost at 500 with just zion on there which i find just insane yeah i mean i think it's another team with a similar like similar type of situation with the suns there but just more uh more talent like I mean, they, the, yes, it's Zion, but it's also Drew and JJ Redick and Derek Favors, who are all above average veteran starters. You know, I think the, the floor for the Pelicans is just very high. Like, I don't see them winning less than 30 games unless just injury, cat- catastrophic injuries strike. I do think 12 wins better than the Suns feels like a lot, but I think the Suns just have a, a lower floor, as we saw last year. Like, we were expecting them to be right around the, the 20, maybe 24 to 30 range. And then it, the bottom just fell out from underneath them. So I wonder if that's part of it. The the other one to me that's kind of on the other end is the Suns only being favored or are expected to be a game and a half better than the Grizzlies. That yeah, doesn't feel, pretty, that feels kind of unrealistic. What do you think? I mean, since we're talking about this and, all these variants of teams like the Pelicans are near 500, the Timberwolves are at 35 wins, the Thunder, even with trading away Paul George and Russell Westbrook, are four games ahead of the Suns. What do you think the floor is for this team? I, we'll talk about the ceiling later on in the show, but what do you think the floor is? Like, let's say Dario Sarge is like the new Ryan Eric and he just doesn't improve. Kelly Oubre regresses or stagnates. DeAndre does take the next step. What do you think the floor is for this team? Do you think it's under 27 or do you think that's the barometer? I mean, I think they definitely could win fewer than 27. I mean, unfortunately, but that's. I think that they added veterans, but it's not as if they added, like you think you, you want to maybe use the Pelicans as an example. Like I think there's just a certain, they added one of the best shooters probably ever. They added a good two way big man and, and they have a guy who's a borderline all-star last year. The Suns can't say any of those things. I mean, as far as their, their veteran additions go, they got, 
They they just also didn't they added older players relative to what was here last year, but they didn't really add like bonafide you know this guy is is good types of players except for Rubio, right? Like I don't think Sharic falls into that category. I don't think Kaminsky falls into that category. Uh, maybe Baines, but you know we know he's a backup, so that's it's not really quite the same level. So I, I do think the floor is pretty low. I don't know where I would put it because um, I feel like we got proved very wrong last year. But I do think there's still a a deep floor here. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I could easily see like I feel like at this point, just with I'm very confident that Booker's gonna take another leap this year. I think DeAndre can take a leap. So I think. If just those two guys improve, let's say Sarge is a dud, let's say Rubio regresses and he's past his prime, even though he says he's entering his prime, I think 25 wins is manageable. I mean, Booker still hasn't reached the 25-win threshold in his first four years. I think at this point, I think more so than ever, especially, I think this is the time where if Devin Booker is truly going to be a superstar in this league, even if the team isn't as good as it wants to be, it's going to have to be a time for him to step up and really lead into a couple more victories. No, I completely agree. I mean, I think like just to clarify, like I don't think that will happen. I I do think like I believe a lot of the same things you just laid out, which are, you know, I think Booker will be a lot better, I think, or at least a lot more impactful. I think Aiton the same. Uh, And I think that while I just went through how I don't think that the, the veterans are quite at the level of, you know, 100% 100% certainty that they're going to be positive forces. Obviously, it's uh, a far cry from where they were last year in a good way. So I don't think it, that they will let the bottom fall out from underneath them this year, but it could. And I think that's just the reality. But I want to maybe like the the closing question I have here just to kind of gauge the the range that the Suns could be in is, so last year, like the Wizards are an example that I think of with Beal. And he basically was was good enough that they were never going to be awful. Do you think this might be the year we see Booker get to that point where he he is so good and efficient that there is just a, a certain floor, like a certain higher floor that we haven't seen before? Like maybe like you're saying, there's just really no way they get below, you know, 25, 26 just because he finally does take that leap. Because I think if he if he gets where we expect him to get, and the other guys on the team aren't as good, I don't think they get quite as low as 19 like they were last year. And I think his health ought to be better this year too. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm looking actually right now at last year's standings and looking at the Wizards record. They're 32 and 50. Most of that was without John Wall. I think Andrew's Achilles really early on the season there. I think if Beal was like that, if he can at least win the 30 wins, I I definitely feel like Booker could do that as well. I, we, I think we predicted on the, not maybe not last week, but the week before that, I it was 27, seven and seven for me with 60 true shooting percentage for Booker. And if he does that, I think that I think 32, like the Wizards had last year at Beal might be a little realistic. Cause I think if he actually is going to be on that level, he's a top five shooting guard in the NBA. Yeah, I think that's fair. Any other surprises though, Brendan, maybe before we close things out, I mean, I'm looking at the list right now, just the bucks are obviously are the big winners here. 57 overall Clippers, 55 and a half. Was there any big surprise or maybe others on the opposite spectrum for you? No, I think it's it's going to, I mean, it, seeing these numbers kind of laid out for the first time, because I, I mean, I'm not really the type of person who goes and like thinks about each team to this degree myself. So kind of laying it all out in front of me was a good way to visualize how much it feels like the, the balance is going to be there this season. I know that's a lot of what people have already talked about is the parity and the 
fact that there's no warriors this year that are just going to blaze through everybody and, or, you know, some of the LeBron teams for a while there as well. So I think that was not a shock, but one of the bigger takeaways is just the highest team being at 57 and there being, you know, a big hand, like almost a dozen teams between 45 and 60. That's just, it made me really excited to be honest. Yeah, this is definitely, I feel like, the best time, especially with Kawhi not going to the Lakers instead of doing the Clippers. It's going to be a really fun year this year. And maybe I can close this one more quick thing on here because just I'm so intrigued by these over-unders here. The Suns at 27, like we mentioned at the top of the show. If the Suns were in the Eastern Conference, let's say, Brennan, the Hawks, let's for example, are at 36 wins. If the Suns were in the Eastern Conference, what would their over-under you think would be at? That is a good question. Well, let's 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 take a comparison. I would, I mean, like, look, the Hawks are at thirty six. That feels insane to me, just by talent level. So, yeah. and the Bulls are at thirty point thirty and a half. So, somewhere between thirty one and thirty six, I think, is where the Suns would be, if not higher, if they were in the East. I mean, like the Pistons. The Pistons have Blake Griffin, who's one of those floor raisers. He's if he's healthy, you're, you're there's a you're not going to get much worse than five hundred, but. Somewhere around that range, I think, would be fair. It's just crazy. You see how much that inflates everything. Yeah, it, it just goes to show just how insane the Western Conference is. Really kind of how weak the Eastern Conference, the bottom of it at least, is for this year because the Hawks could easily be an overachiever. The Bulls could be an overachiever. Even the Pistons, like we mentioned, the Magic as well. They're all really set to maybe overachieve again this year. But before we go on to our next, and we're diving more into the, our thoughts on the situation, I wanted to tell you guys really quickly about Boss. It is one of the more comfortable socks in the history of feet. Plus, for every Bone Boss purchase, they donate a pair to someone in need. Find out more about what feet daydream about at boneboss.com slash locked today and get 20% off at boneboss.com slash locked. All righty, Brian, let's dive in a little bit more into this. What do you think is the ceiling for this team as far as maybe over-unders go? Because I think we're both on the same page if we had to bet money right now. I know we're not really much of betters ourselves, but if we had to, I would go the over on this. Would you go over as well for 27? Yeah, I would. If if you know, as it as it stands now, I would definitely go over twenty seven. That just feels that feels like much more of the low end rather than the the benchmark that an over under is supposed to be. That feels like uh, almost not a worst case scenario, but that feels like a lot has to go wrong for them to get down to twenty seven. I feel a lot better. You know, we were kind of talking about comparing this year to last year and how that affects the way that we think about how many games this team might win. And uh, 30 felt like a reach last year. I think 30 is pretty reasonable this year. So if if 27 is the number, then I think it has to be over for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I was very surprised, to be honest, when I saw 27, just because maybe we have on the purple and orange glass a little because we're following the team every day. And it's, it's just interesting. I might as well ask you this question because we're really noticing this now over the last month or so. Are you surprised just by how – the variances is from the local perspective with us and like other writers, Kellen Olson, even the guys on 98.7 talking about the Suns maybe getting 30 to 35 wins this year. And then you hear others in the national media say, hey, the Suns could be another team that maybe gets 20 to 25 wins this year and with the improvements. Is that even though like getting Rick Rubio, Dario Saric, just some of these real legit players, does that surprise you? Yeah, I mean, of course it does. Just comparing it to the way that obviously our listeners will know that we feel about this team and, and especially about the offseason that they did uh the amount that they did to improve themselves uh you think about they were a 19 win team i think you know one thing to highlight when it comes to maybe separating the the perception from 
national viewers from ours, just thinking about it more concretely instead of, you know, your opinion of somebody like Rubio or Ubre or whoever else. One thing that I feel like is it makes it almost a lock that this team is going to just build on its win total from last year is it feels almost impossible uh, to have another Devin Booker season that is as injury stricken as this past one was like with Rubio around with Aiton probably taking on more of the offense, Ubre doing the same, even Sharich and some of the other shooters around this, this roster doing the same a full year of Tyler Johnson. I just think the ball will be in Booker's hands less. I think he'll be bringing the ball up less. I think he'll be taking less of a beating. If he's just an adequate level of healthy, like 70 games, that's six more than last year. Like they have to win, you know, three of those, right? Two or three of those. And then you're already up to 22. Like I think health is one thing uh, that's, that's just going to make the the floor of this team even higher. And and then you, from there, you just think about the improvements and all that. And it feels, it just feels crazy that they could get uh, so low like they were last year. Yeah. I'm looking at Booker's just game logs right now. And it's, I just completely forgot how little of games he's played in the last two years, 54 and 17, 18, 64, 18, 19. But the two years prior when he was 19 and 20 years old, 76 games and 78 games. So if you can get up near that 70, 75 range, I think that definitely is going to help their cause there. But what do you think are some other factors maybe if we're going to go on the over train here, which I think we were both on agreement there. What do you think are the other underlying factors outside of Booker? Do you think it's going to be mostly Aiton that does the job there? Or do you think it's going to be more mostly like the role players we talk about, like Rubio and Sarge getting the job done there as to why they're improving so much? I think it's it's kind of all of it. I think the other, you know, kind of trying to think more objectively about it and and what might just there's just things that there's no way around. I think a full year of Ubre and Johnson has to be factored in there when you think about they didn't have Ubre for the first couple months and they didn't have Johnson for, you know, basically two thirds of the season. And then when he was there, he got injured and didn't even finish the season. So he only played a handful of games with this team. If they get 82 from him and 82 from Ubre, that's two more 100% lock NBA talents. And there's just not been a lot of guys you could say that about in the past. Yeah, I'm right there with you just because I you see just the improvements on this team, just one through 15. It's really just incredible what James Jones has done this offseason just to add more improvements on this team. Just so many young guys last year, inexperienced. Guys really weren't winning players. I think James Jones has gone off his way to get a lot of winning players in, in the Phoenix this year. But what what else did you want to cover, Brent, as far as the over-unders here? Because it seems like really it's all on Booker and Aiden's shoulders pretty much. And then outside that, the underlying factors of, let's say, Rubio, Sharage, Bridges. One through – I mean – realistically Brian, it feels like there's 10 or 11 guys now that are at least NBA players in this rotation and we couldn't say it at all last year yeah and I think that's I mean that's really the thing when you go back to your question of what what is you know we've touched on it here and there especially with our guests of what the uh what's not getting through to certain folks that are so low on this team and I think one of them just is that they underestimate just how raw and inept the roster was last year like that's a silly excuse to make but uh that's just the reality they even the veterans didn't just it, every it was almost last year really a worst case scenario i mean does that feel safe to say like almost everything that could go wrong went wrong between health problems and the veterans not working out and not being able to find trades and and on and on 
Yeah, remembering, I think, what I said in July, I think I was very happy about the Trevor Reza signing, and I definitely got proven wrong there. I thought Ryan Harrison was the perfect stretch for for DeAndre Ayton, but I think me and you were both shocked when three games into the season we both realized that this guy's over the hill and he can't shoot anymore, which shocked me. But I think just you got like the younger version of Anderson, you got a better version of Ariza and Ubre. It just seems like the floor of this team, like we've been talking about, just there's no way unless knock on wood here, Dan Booker has a season injury early on, DeAndre and has a season ending injury early on. I kind of feel like this team just, there's no way they can have a 21 win season again. No, it, it feels crazy, let alone 19 below below 20 again would just be uh, sort of unfathomable. And obviously, I think that's the point. That's why the offseason went the way that it did, was to avoid another worst-case scenario, just insulating themselves from that possibility. So, again, when you think about the, the over-under, the win total here, uh, 27 is not that far away from 21 and this team just feels so much better than that 21 win team a couple seasons ago and clearly better than the 19 win team this past year so uh, I think we're on the same page for sure here Uh, before we take a break though and go into the Booker amongst his peers debate another thing that's been kind of going through the the internet this week I want to remind all of you about another sponsor of today's show and that is manscaping sport from Support of the whole network, our whole Locked On NBA network comes from Manscaped, who is the number one company in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank, and if you did, you will know that Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off your order and free shipping at manscaped.com, promo code LOCKEDON. All right, I want to get into this a little bit. We've talked about doing maybe a whole episode on this, and then I think uh, the more that it gets talked about, the more kind of silly it starts to seem. So I think it's worth doing a segment on for sure. And I know you and I disagree. I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, how do you think of Booker just at at the surface level? I mean, he's a guy we talk about all the time, but how do you measure him with the lack of opportunity he's had uh, with the lack of, of talent around him and the inability to prove himself in the playoffs by not having been there not having a franchise that can put him there. Like it is a difficult thing, no matter which side you're on to gauge, it's not easy by any means. Yeah, definitely. It, it seems like as we can tell over the last three summers now, we've had back to back to back summers where we've had a Booker versus someone in a poll, Booker versus another guy in a poll. It just seems like he's a very divisive guy in NBA Twitter world. And for good reason, as you said, he's not been a winning player so far. He's had horrible town around him, though, which I think I'm going to give him credit for there. He's just had so many bad players around, just not NBA caliber guys. And if you look at his advanced metrics, I did this on, I'm surprised no, really no jazz fans picked up on me or really, really went my mentions about this when I tweeted this out yesterday. But Looking at Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell head-to-head in advanced metrics real quick last season, Devin Booker had a 58.4 true shooting percentage and a 36.2 free throw rate and a 3.8 offensive box plus minus. Donovan Mitchell had a 53.7 true shooting percentage, 25.9 free throw rate, and a .08 offensive box plus minus. It just seems like I personally feel like if you put, let's say, Devin Booker on the Utah Jazz right now, I think they're actually a lot better than they are just because I feel like Mitchell at this point it's to be proven, obviously, he's only been in the league two years. Booker's been in the league for four. But I feel like if you put Booker in a winning situation, he's going to improve drastically. As with Cody Topper told us on our show earlier this week, it seems like he has a very fast learning curve if he's on a winning environment. Let's say he got drafted to the Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics. I feel like he'd be 
one of the best players, top three shooting guards in the NBA already. I, I feel like it's incredible he's developed it the way he has it within the chaotic environment he's been in the past four years. He's had a new head coach every single season. He's had two GMs, over 70 teammate, new teammates now in four and a half years, which I find just insane. Just It's a it's a testament to Booker just how incredibly he's developed in, within this chaos. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree when it comes to the improvements on his part. Like, I don't think that that's inarguable. And anybody who there's, I mean, there are still people, there's a lot of people that still try to make the case that he just hasn't really gotten better. And I think that's, I mean, it's, it's honestly stupid. That's uh, not true. And so that I think anyone, anyone reasonable would agree with what I'm, uh, I really like, I know this is not going to win me any supporters just as of the Luka Doncic era on this show for me to say, but I think Donovan Mitchell is better than him. I, I think that I'm ready to be proven wrong. Like I've said, I've said that I'm ready to be proven wrong about Booker uh, a dozen times. I feel like this summer, because I know it's coming and I, I, I think this year is going to be the one to show us. And there's not necessarily a statistical case for Mitchell um, and they are closer in age than, than you would expect just because uh, Mitchell's just a little bit old for his draft class and spent an extra season in, uh, in college. He's, he's older than Booker, so that, that there's not really the case there. Um, I just, I don't know. It's just something about like you see certain players and you just feel like they do something special to the game as they're playing it that, that it is hard to define. And I just feel like the defense has to account for Mitchell in such a unique way. And maybe part of that is uh, Booker again, the teammates. I think that's the thing that holds him back a lot. Mitchell is such a unique player in that he, he got in, he came into a system and a roster that had just made a playoff run, like a genuinely good, almost like NBA championship contending level team when he joined it. And his, ability to to fit right in was impressive but he also was playing with guys like Rudy Gobert like the, if if Booker had ever played with Rudy Gobert game so I do agree with you but I just think there's something about seeing Mitchell on both ends of the court his athleticism his uh I think he's he's just like physically freakish in a way that Booker isn't so maybe I'm buying too much into that but I do think he's better I'm just curious to hear your viewpoint here because I, I I know we're we're I think we're pretty close on what we're talking about with Booker here. But I think I've had Booker more in the tier of like a Bradley Beal sort of guy. Like for CJ McCollum, Bradley Beal, I feel like he's more in that realm than a Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray sense. Do you think that Booker is more so in the latter category there or the or the forward one? Uh, I think he's more in the cat. I, I mean, I don't really know how far apart I would say those guys are necessarily. Um, I mean, like Beal statistically this year compared to Mitchell statistically and Booker this year. I mean, I would probably kind of throw all of those guys in in a similar tier for ranking shooting guards. Probably all in like the the second tier behind somebody like Harden. Um, but yeah, I'm you know like Harden and Paul George and guys like that are clearly above. But I would probably put all of those guys kind of in the tier below. Uh, I do think. Murray is is a step below those guys, though. I mean, he just got Max as well, and he's done it in the playoffs. But I do think Booker is better than him. I just, I mean, there's also something to be said for, like I said, I'm ready to be proven wrong. But I also, I mean, I, to me, it feels fair to say that 
until you actually like we can say we think Booker would be able to do what what Mitchell or um, you know Beal or McCollum or Mitchell or or Murray have done in the playoffs, but all those guys have actually done it already, and that has to account for something, right? I mean, like that's what this is, and it's not Booker's fault that he hasn't been in the playoffs. Nobody would say that it's his fault, but the reality is he just hasn't done it. It's the same reason when we get to the ends of some of these guys' careers that we end up knocking them down a little bit, and I think that's just, I mean, maybe maybe that's a, a, phil- a philosophy that I have that others don't have, but. I do think like I do want to actually see the proof in the pudding with Booker performing in those higher stakes games before I say, I, yeah, he's for sure going to be capable of it. I think he will, but no one can know he will. Yeah, that's a fair point. I just because you mentioned all those guys have been in the playoffs. They've like you think about what McCollum did in the playoffs this year. Like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. He looked like the elite shooting guard. And if Booker can eventually do that, that'd be amazing just because you they'd have a really high ceiling there, especially if McCollum did that in the playoffs. And they, as you tell, Lord and McCollum led them all the way to the Western Conference Finals with an injured team that didn't have Yusuf Nurkic there. But I'm just curious to see, like, from I think personally, even if Booker, let's say they have a 26, 27 win season again, I'm not going to like place it on Booker. I'm, I mean, I feel like he's going to have a really good season offensively again, but defensively, I, I think that's where we're both in agreement there. If he, doesn't improve defensively. I think I think that has to happen this year, Brian. Do you agree? Just he has to at least take a step forward defensively if we want to have these arguments. I think he has to be like below like he has to go from outright bad to below average. Because I think all the guys we just rifled through there, I think even Mitchell, you know, he has the potential there. He in college he was he came out of school with more of a reputation as a, a possible good defender just because of his athleticism and his steal numbers and things like that. But I think all the guys we just listed there are below average defenders. You know, I don't, no one would say any of that group is good. So I think as long as he's just below average and not, I mean, he's been pretty atrocious statistically and everyone has seen him make mistake after mistake through his first four seasons. If he can just get to like, yeah, you know, he's somebody we have to cover for, but he's not killing us. That's the level he has to get to, and I think then he'll become even more valuable because the the numbers will will back that up if it actually happens. Yeah, definitely. And as we saw, once I think Houston's a good example of this. Once you put like the switchy wing guys around James Harden, I know his first few years in Houston, he really struggled defensively. He was a joke defensively, but then over the last few years, he's really improved. He's a steel leader, I believe. And if Booker can at least buy into that, he could really be a guy who's a playoff juggernaut, I think, and down the line. He could be a really good player. As Monty Williams, I think, said in an introductory press conference, I think he's a guy who's built for the playoffs. He can play in all levels of the basketball, really regular season playoffs, everything. It seems like – I agree with Monty there, and I really – I'm just wondering how Booker will look in a playoff atmosphere because we haven't seen it yet. What do you think just from a win total, though, Bren? Like we've always talked about or we've always heard about this from a national perspective. Booker's not a winning player. Booker's not a winning player. What do you think is the number here? If Booker drags the Suns to, let's say, blank wins, what is that number that he will finally be proven wrong there? Yeah, I mean, I'd honestly, to be realistic, like even if they got to 30 this year, I don't think that narrative will change. And I think that's where you get into the the ridiculousness of sometimes the way that we talk about this stuff where it's like, you know, Bradley Beal, as an example, being not that much older than than Devin Booker. He Beal is 26, you know, um, three years older. That's... I think around this time in Beal's career, people were much higher than him, even though his his numbers really were nowhere 
near the level. And that's just because he played with freaking John Wall and Nene and Marcin Gortat and, and was on a playoff team. Like that, that's why that happened. It wasn't anything Beal was doing that was more impressive than anything now that Booker is doing. So I do think the win, the winning player thing is not where I really see the argument. Um, I don't know what he could do this season. I just don't think the roster is quite there to turn that around, barring something unforeseen. Like, would would we call De'Aaron Fox a winning player now? No. I mean, like, you have to make the playoffs, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. It just seems like, at this point, I just don't know how to grade. I mean, I know how to grade Booker. I think he's a top three offensive shooting guard in the NBA. I think, as we mentioned, his defense is really bad, and I think at least get to below average or average is going to do a lot for his ceiling. But Who do you have above him? For Booker, yeah, like who? How how are your how are your two guard rankings then? If if he's at that spot, if we're labeling Harden as a two guard, I'll put him one, and then if fully healthy Clay, I'd put two. Okay, and then you have PG as more of like a three. Then yeah, I have him more like a three. Yeah, I agree. For so for me, I think honestly, I would put just because I've seen Booker so much in person recently, I just know how bad his teammates have been. I, I, it's really a debate for me when you get to three. I just feel like he's more on that McCollum, Beal level. I feel like those Drew. Next guys, Drew, yeah, it's another guy too. I feel like those three or four guys are like clustered together. Maybe Drew's actually three just because I feel like his defense, if he can become a primary offensive scorer, which I think David Griffin wants him to be this year, he could be number three in the NBA, to be honest. But Yeah, Oladipo, another one. Yeah, that's another one too. So Oladipo, he'd go ahead of him. So. I'd put Oladipo fully healthy at three then. Then I'd put Drew at four and then Booker at five. I mean, Booker at five or six. I feel like he's on that tier. I, I feel yeah. like he, he's ahead of like – I feel like he's definitely had a Mitchell. He's definitely – if we're going to label Murray as a combo guard, if you want to throw him in here, I think he's definitely had a Murray. And I feel like he, he's really – it's a tough debate between me, between – I'd put Beal ahead of him. I think when we get to CJ versus Booker, it gets really tough for me because I think – Obviously, McCall really proved himself this year in the playoffs, but I feel like Booker could do the same if he got in there. Yeah, they're kind of right there. Like, I think honestly, Booker is once he gets into a better winning situation, I think the impact he has on the game, at least in the early going, will look a lot like what McCollum has done. I think his ceiling is higher for sure, just with the passing, his size, his shot making, his ability in the post, finishing those types of things that I think Booker will continue to get better at. But I think you know, we could see him being a CJ level player in the playoffs right away. And I think not having a Damian Lillard there will be uh, the the piece that, you know, it, it'll be like, can Booker turn from being a McCollum to a Lillard? I think is kind of maybe the the switch that will have to happen if we're just using player comparisons to, to, to describe the Suns trajectory there. But uh, it's going to be fascinating. I think I'm kind of right around where you are. I obviously said I would have Mitchell ahead of him, but uh, I think that's, you know, he's somewhere around, you know, five, six, seven, eight. So, but that's also one of the deepest positions in the league. So it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating because they're all so young too, just to watch. So I think that's why we wanted to, to chime in with our two cents on this debate. But uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't listen to people on the internet that don't watch Suns games. I think that's, that's super fair to say, but there's also room for argument in there as well. Really quickly, I was just looking at CJ McCollum's playoff stats over the last two years. In 20 total games, he averaged 25.3 amount of 57 true shooting percentage. So if Booker can do that, then yeah, I think he he's more than on his way. If CJ can definitely do that, I think Booker is capable of doing that for sure. For sure. Anything else you want to cover, Brent, as far as today's show? I mean, we've talked about the over-unders here. I know we've had a 
may, might be a controversial debate in the comments sections on places here if you listen to this with uh, the Booker debate. But anything else you wanted to cover here? No, I was actually looking back from that episode we did previewing opening night with Nick from Locked On Mavs, where I put Luca above Booker. I'm still feeling pretty good about that, but you know that's something to revisit on a different day. I just want to say for for my own reputation when it comes to these very hot takey episodes that my track record is uh, is not so bad. So uh, you can say what you want in the comment section, but uh, I'll stand by it. We'll see what happens. This year is going to be fun, especially because I think the Suns will be better. We'll be able to see how he actually stacks up among more of the uh, winning players, if you want to call them that. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely a hot topic for sure. I know Booker is a divisive player within the NBA Twitter community, so this is definitely going to continue until the Suns win. But I maybe I'll just close out on this, Brent, because I feel like maybe it's an unfair comparison to make or unfair question for Booker. But do you feel like maybe these questions aren't going to end until maybe DeAndre Aiden takes a step forward too? Because it just feels like – if, until he has that one B, I feel like the Suns aren't going to be – I mean, this is an obvious question or obvious answer here, excuse me, but I feel like if, unless Aiton takes the leap forward to being a legit one B, then I guess Booker's probably got to suffer from that as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's exactly what I said about Gobert, and freaking Jamal Murray gets to play with Nikola Jokic, who's maybe the favorite for the MVP next season, and you know somebody like you know Ben Simmons to pick a different type of player. He gets to be, play with Joel Embiid. CJ has – uh dame and and drew had ad for all those years and now he's gonna have zion and all these these other vets like the the whole thing is 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 circular there's no real way to measure something like that necessarily Uh, there's a lot of stats that try it and uh, you know one thing we didn't mention is that booker took a big step up in a lot of those all-encompassing valuation stats that are out there and that's a great sign but yeah, a lot of that's team dependent, and that's just going to be the reality. So I think that getting the team better, as we've been talking about all summer, the goal was to put talent so we can actually see what Booker and Aiton are in a real way rather than being held back by Isaiah Kanan and Ryan Anderson and whoever else. So this year is going to tell us a lot, I think. Yeah, that's for sure. I appreciate you guys listening in. I know we went a little long here in the last segment, but we'll be back with you guys all next week. We're going to try to get some more guests on here. We're in the doldrums of the summer here until training camp starts. We probably have another six, seven weeks. So we're definitely going to think of some more creative content for you guys. But until then, we'll talk to you guys Monday for our next episode.